Let's do this. FT Live. Scotty Braun, AJ Przinsky. Locaine is back. Always wondering where on the map is Locaine. That's why he has a big <laughs> map behind him so you can find him. Exactly. No, I know where he is. I just, oh. I like the map behind him. Locaine, how you doing? And I actually wanted to start this way. So I was thinking about you this weekend when the Brewers were swept by the A's. More just wondering, <laughs> what would Locaine say in the clubhouse? Would Ooh. you be like, damn, and make a joke about it? Like, we suck so bad, we lost to the team that's owners not trying. Or <laughs> would you be more of the serious tone, like, guys, we got to get our shit together? No, I, I, knowing me, I would joke around and say, hey, we need to figure something out, guys. Um, hey, I know we just got swept by the A's. But at the same time, you know, I know that's a talented group. I know they can bounce back. But um, they're playing against a hot team right now. You know, the A's are swinging it. You know, they're locked in right now. And as we know, when you get hot in baseball, you can do, you can be very dangerous. Damn, we're going to get into their reverse protest that AJ loves later. And Dude, they won six in a row. They beat the Rays last night. They're playing ball right now. Joe Sheehan's going to join us. He's been Mark covering Cotte this team. Deserves so much credit. Should he get a bonus? He's not going to, but he should get a better job. <laughs> They're probably going to call him, hey, Mark, uh, we spent too much on the court hearings where we're trying to get money from the city. We'd like to defer your salary to 2088. <laughs> Did you see where they're spending 250k a day in Las Vegas because they couldn't figure out the settlement for the stadium? So now they have they had to go into extra time with the Senate or whatever. And now they're 250k a day. And they have, can't make a res they can't figure out if they want to bring the A's or not. Well, when you're trying to get a city to cover hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, 250K a day is nothing for the billionaire owner. Just saying. I agree, but man, I, I, if I'm if I live there, I'm a little bit uh I don't know. It feels like a waste of money. They don't want the A's, just say we don't want the A's. Oh, you're saying the city. The city is the it city. Not the not the team. If it was a team, I'd be like, who cares? I would say, why would we even go one day doing that? That should be on the team. The city, well, because they have a, a bill they have to vote on, mm -hmm. and they're deadlocked, so they can't figure out if they want to pass it or not. So, and then they, and it was at the end of the session, and they ended the session, so they had to go into overtime. And then when they come back, they still have to vote on it. And it's two hundred fifty k a day. That's so unfair for them to run this to try to vote on the A's, and clearly they don't want the A's. Mm -hmm. But but also the the spending there, when you think about where else it could be spent. That's, that's that's a sad. whole different topic. But. Yeah. So Joe Sheehan's going to join us. Rowdy, Rowdy Telez is back, and Ken Rosenthal in twenty Wait, who? minutes. Okay. So Lokane, you did you you didn't play with Rowdy, did you? No, I played with him. I was there my uh, he was there my last year. He so you did play with him. Yeah. Did he lie about you? Because he's like Scott. I, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Scott AJ lies lie every day, and then he tries to blame me for it. So he'll Scott be like, lies, oh, I'm not he'll not be like Ellie De La Cruz, like pump the brakes, and then he's playing well, and he's like, I didn't say anything no. about him. Watch the tape. AJ, all of this is recorded. Watch the tape. Just Scott. be careful. I'm just saying. I'm saying watch, hey, the tape. watch TikTok. They were watch freaking out at you and Kratzy. They were like, why don't you guys just let him play? Go, you got to go on TikTok. See what they said. Don't call me a liar. It's on TikTok. And I was like, uh, Lee, uh, Lee. And they're like, yeah, we wow, all did that. for once, Braun's right. <laughs> we all like, were excited about Ellie. Ellie, Ellie's been great. Were you excited, Lokan? Oh, you know, uh, Yelly, I mean, not Yelly, uh, Rowdy, he loves to, you know, he exaggerates a little bit, but, you know, he might add a few more things to the story that shouldn't be there. But, um, <laughs> you know, overall, he's a great dude, man. He's hilarious. He's great for that clubhouse, man. Um, he's a great teammate to be around. So um, I'm excited for him to get on here. 
That's his professional yeah. stick, though. He'll lying. go up. He's to, like you. He's no, lying. He's no, a that's, liar. that's you. Your you stick should have won the poker Your stick is lying. You're a professional liar. <laughs> I was good at bluffing at, at the I, poker. You're story. a professional liar. I won like maybe like 12 of the first 30 hands that I was playing, and 10 of them were bluffs. Because you're a professional liar. Dude next to me, you're, like, you're a vacuum. And I was like, these people at the table are soft. Like, they don't go in on any hands. And then I realized what the table was like. They don't get in on any hands unless they have like pocket aces. I'm like, how soft is that? Have you played poker? No. Oh, we so talked about what I'm talking about. I mean, I know what you're talking about, but I'm I I, I got imagine it. if if like one out of fifty hands you go in because you're like, oh, unless I have the very tippy top hand, I'm not gonna go in. That's well, soft. That's see, I just go in all in in the first like five hands, and I'm like, well, I'm either gonna win or I'm gonna lose. Right. And, and then I if you go. win, you do it again. <laughs> and eventually you're gonna lose because you can't do that a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's but charge the map. To sit there for twelve straight hours, and my back. Well, like, that's you your loss. Then you can't play with that. <laughs> point, good point. You can get massages during it. You can lay down. You can stand up. It's actually a very luxurious experience. I just put a post up about it. Charging the mound. JT Real Muto had a cycle, and included in the cycle is this is like a bonus part: single, double, triple, homer, argument with other manager. Here's the thing for this. I know it's great. Congratulations, JT. And he's like, what, the 16th catcher all time to hit for a cycle, I think it was? Yep. Benji Molina hit for a cycle. That's all I'm saying. Big drop. Benji Molina wasn't the world's worst hitter. He was the slowest runner. Oh, you're saying on and the And he triple. got a triple. Yes. In Fenway. And JT Real Muto is one he's of the faster fat. catchers we've seen in a while. Yeah, he went homer triple to get the hard ones out of the way. Mm-hmm. And in the last one, when he hit it, I thought it was going to be a homer and hit the very top of the wall. Mm-hmm. And then him and Tori Lovello before in about third inning got into a fight because Corbin Carroll, Bob Nightingale said one rookie of the year. So they were pissed that he already won it. So they threw at him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Corbin Carroll is going to win rookie of the year, Locane. So Bob was just ahead of his time. Good pick. Good pick. Good pick. Uh, I think we all picked Corbin Carroll, didn't we? No. Somebody one, picked Senga. One person. Todd in his New York love picked Senga. Todd picked Senga. Locane, who'd you pick for rookie of the year? Uh, was it... What's, what's what's the picture from uh, the Mets? Um, Senga. Senga. Yeah, yes. You're out. You're out. Um, but yeah, um, I, I I think he's having an outstanding season right now. So we'll see. Corbin Carroll also has, you know, been lights out. So, hey, we'll see. A race to the finish, I guess. W- would you hit Corbin Carroll if you didn't want to face him? <laughs> no, because then he steals a face. No, and that's the point. So let's get to that because he was hit by a pitch in his what? first two ABs. Right, by Matt Strom. They were close, though. They did not look intentional if you're watching games on a daily basis. And let's show the benches clearing, and then we can go over some quotes. Oh, we got hit again. again. In the hands. Got hit the arm first at bat, hand this time. That'll put runners on first and second. I think the but, Phillies will start to get somebody up. Not quite, I'm not quite sure why Tori Lovello is out there right now. I don't, not, I'm not quite sure what he be, could, could be arguing about. And JT's trying to tell him, listen, that's not intentional. Come on, Tori. I think Vic Carapaz is no saying reason, the same thing. Yeah. He's thrown out that's of the game. He thinks he's throwing him in on purpose? And now Torrey's yelling at now Rob. Now he's yelling at Rob? <laughs> he, better, he better be careful. Benches are going to clear as they'll get Lavelle out. Kyle Schwarber saying something. 
Listen, I, I totally get protecting your player, but this has gotten to the point where it's a little ridiculous. There is no reason at all that they're that they would try to hit this guy. Yeah, and, and I understand that he's been hit two, you know, two two at bats in a row. But I think if you watch the game, you can see that Strom tries to come in, and sometimes it tails in. Okay, so I'll read quotes. You can throw the Nightingale uh, tweet up there, not the one AJ's referring to, the other one wow, I love with you. Rob Thompson, the manager of the Phillies, while I read JT Real Muto, who was a little bit face-to-face -face with Tori Lavello, but here's Thompson on the third inning benches clearing incident. No way were we trying to hit him and put one of the fastest guys in baseball on base. That's not me. That's not our club. And Real Muto said, I think it looked a little worse on video than it actually was because he wasn't challenging me at all. He wasn't saying anything derogatory. He was just backing his player up. At one point, he was saying, I would do the same thing for you. If you were on my team, I'd back you up too and pointing at my chest. It looked like he was saying something bad to me, but he really wasn't. He was just defending his player. Don't care. Don't care. Don't, don't get in another player's face. It ain't your job. You worry about your own team. You don't need to go up to the other dude. I don't, and if you read his lips, it don't look like he was saying that. So. Good job, JT, because you hit a cycle. You're all happy. You guys won. So, woohoo, go Phillies. But if no, another manager comes up to win. me, oh, they lost? They lost. Oh, that night. They, oh, never mind. Clemens, two out, two run, home run, uh, reverse. I turned it off after you hit the cycle. They were leading. So, my bad. <laughs> they lost. 9-8. Sarah Langs. Wee. Yes. Diamondbacks win every game, so I should have mm -hmm. guessed. But if I'm, if I'm playing and the other team's manager comes out, though, and is like, I don't give a flying – you know what he's saying – like, dude, you worry about your own damn team. You don't need to involve me in this. If he says something to me, then it, then it's go. Like, you're and you're pointing your finger in my face like I'm your little child. Listen, uh, -uh. I'm a grown man. We that's when and JT act. I give him credit because he just kind of stood there and was laughing. But that's why the bench is clear. It wasn't because Tory was yelling. It was because he put his finger in JT's face. Dude, you don't do that to another team. You just don't. You caught for a long time. If that was you. No, uh-uh. We then then it becomes the next, which it did. Yeah. And JT actually did a good job of stepping back and saying, "All right, I'm gonna laugh about this." But man, like I, I played for Tory. Tory's a good dude, but you don't you don't go out there and, and I don't care whatever he was saying, whatever they said he was saying. Like you don't you don't need to talk about the other team. You get in the umpire's face. But JT did go up to him first. You know, a little bit he intervened. Well, and that's when but still, Tory went back. But you got to be the manager, you're saying. Yeah. And back up. You're also, be, you're supposed to be the bigger man, the well, smarter man. And if you're the manager, you have someone to pick on. It's Vic Carapazzo. You, you yeah. get to go to the ump. You got four of them. You right. Them. Any you ump, you can go have a time with. But right? I just love when the, the, the bullpen guys go. <laughs> by the time they get there, they're so out of damn out of breath. Even if there was a fight, they ain't doing nothing because they're so tired. <laughs> is, that a, is that a hack? If. You're in a benches clearing brawl. Go after a reliever because they've already run a mile to get to you. Yes, they're all exhausted. <laughs> and I as a catcher, it. you're supposed to leave your mask on, right? Because if they try and hit you, you got a mask on. At least they got to try to hit you from behind. But mm -hmm. that's why you got. It's all Baratech when he got an A Rod's face. Guess what? Mask on. Bite me. And Break your hand. And try, and then A Rod doinked him. But I mean, you know, if you're the catcher, dude, put your mask on. Let's go. Lo, your One, thoughts two. on the whole situation. So you saw JT goes up to yeah. Tory, and and I agree. I mean, both are really nice guys. They're not They're the first guys. guys that are yeah. trying to pick fights. 
And so that's why when I was watching, I was watching it live. I was like, man, this is going to turn into anything. If this is a certain manager and a certain catcher, it could actually incite a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Great job. Great job on JT for staying composed right there, man. Cause like, like AJ said, when another man is putting his hand in your face, you know, that you telling me it's, it's time it's go time basically. But um, as a guy who faced Strom and, and I play with Strom, he's effectively wild. You know, sometimes he doesn't know where it's going. I don't think he intentionally hit him. But, um, yeah, at the same time, the situation happened. The man, You love for your manager to take up for, you, for your team, but not in that way. So, if you're like, Locaine's running in from center field. Like, he's tired by the time he gets in there. That's the guy he hit. <laughs> right? Man, I run 350 feet. I'm tired. Meanwhile, the catcher and the pitcher right there. Let's go. They're, let, they're, let me get yeah. a cup of water before we start. <laughs> yeah, but Locaine's probably in better shape than some of the relievers. Fair? Fair. Fair. Yeah. Fair. He's running them down. He's also faster, so he's going to get there first. But... True. Yeah, I'm not as worried. Like, if I'm I'm not picking on on low versus, you know, middle reliever out in, uh, out in the outfield who had to run further and is not running baseballs down all day like it's his job. Well, plus – most of the relievers are sitting there like with their feet up in the bullpen. Oh man, oh, I don't pitch till the seventh. They're not warmed up. It's only the third. In. Oh, oh my God! Like, wake up! Let me get up from my nap and go run all the way to home plate. <laughs> yeah, then they get there and they don't even know what planet they're on because half of them were sleeping at the time. So basically, all of this not that big of a deal, but a big deal. the The biggest problem is if you're the manager, even if a player yeah. comes up and says something, just just go to the ump, yeah, and handle your business. Yo, he said something to me. Mm-hmm. And Vic Carapazzo, he had Tori Lovello. Of course. Of course. I just, I think we need more fights. <laughs> Let's go. Well, we we do get, I would say, what, maybe one or two benches clearing situations per week, but they're complete mm-hmm. nothings. Yeah, like this, nobody nothings. even got, nobody even said it. If you, if you play that back and you watch the two teams when they come together, nobody even talks to the other, they're just, Schwarber standing there like this. Then you have uh, Sosa. It was like the two guys for the Phillies were Sosa and Schwarber. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's kind of behind them. And then you have the umpires. And then you have the D-backs on one side and the Phillies. And then you have Schwarber and Sosa in the middle. And Schwarber's like, someone come. <laughs> Everyone's like, okay, no, thank you. Also, don't you think, I mean, half of rosters are league minimum guys. They probably don't want to get suspended for throwing punches. No, you don't think about that at that moment. Not even the rookies? No. You're in it. You're in it. You're in it to win it. Then why doesn't it happen anymore? Because everyone knows each other. Everyone likes each other. Everyone has the same agent. That's not true, though. Everyone likes each other. I feel like you talk to players all the time, and they're like, "Oh, I just don't want to be with that guy," or "Don't put me, don't set me up with that guy. I don't, I don't like him." I don't know as much as it used to. It's it's more friendly than it used to be. You switch teams a lot more than you used to. True. And you don't. And you don't. There's just not. I know that we try to build up Red Sox, Yankees, and Giants, Dodgers, but it's kind of gone there because they're, they're different teams every year. Now, when you had like Manny, David, Veritek, Pedro on the Red Sox, and you had the Pettit, Jeter, Posada, Mariano, Bernie on the Yankees, and they played against each other for what, 15 plus years, all of them, guess what? Boom! You see Don Zimmer, poor Don Zimmer getting thrown across the field, right? Mm-hmm. But nowadays, guys, Go from Yankees to Red Sox to Mets to Rays to Twins to Guardians to A's to White Sox to whatever Brewers. I think there's more fights in the seats. Depends on what game you're at. Yeah. I'm saying Yankees, Red oh, Sox, 100%. Giants, Dodgers. 100%. Those kind of games 
if you want to see fights, that's where they're at, not on yeah. the field. Royals, White Sox. Uh, <laughs> White Sox. Yeah, dudes running on the yeah, yeah dudes right. running on the field trying to fight the first base coach. Oh, I that remember one? that. Yeah, that was bad. That was horrible. Yeah. Royals and White Sox. We cleared a couple times with those punks. Yeah. Low? No, Low yeah. wasn't there. Yet. I mean, I, no, I wasn't on. I wasn't there, but I've been in scrum. Wait, I've been in fights where it's been. You know, it's very serious and everybody's mad at each other. But also, I've been in fights where we all get there and everyone's joking around. So, honestly, who knows anymore? You know, it just depends how much hatred you have for that team, basically. Yeah, nobody hates anybody. Yeah. My favorite fight story is Jim Tomey, who's like the nicest guy in the world. Real Cormier was pitching to hit him. Mm-hmm. And they were like literally best friends. But they had a thing. If Cormier hit somebody, they have to go get him. He happened to hit Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey charged him out and he went to dinner after the game. After fighting each other? <laughs> like Jim, exchanged punches. After Jim charged him out. I don't know if there was any punches, but Jim ran after him. And then they went to dinner after the wow. game. Wow. That's good. So that just shows you. <laughs> Did people know that at the time? I don't think it's Or was that like a secretive dinner? Like, hey, we're friends, but we can't let everyone know because we just It's not like wrestling. You can't have like Hulk Hogan and Iron Sheik go to dinner together. It's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? I mean, I, is I, that in the contract when you sign up for WWE? It used no to dinners be. It's changed now. Yeah, people know. It used to be like remember way back, everyone thought it was really real. real. Yeah, yeah. Right, so they really thought the Iron Sheik and Hulk Hogan were like mortal enemies. They're probably going out all the time. There was yeah. no camera phones. Right, couldn't get caught. It was just word of mouth. Someone be like, hey, I saw those two eating dinner. No, no, no not true. Way. No, probably lookalikes. Yeah. <laughs> Stunt doubles. Yeah. Stunt double. <laughs> All right, let's get to Otani, too, for a few minutes before oh, Kenny Rosenthal joins us. So two more homers. You know, I was reading the athletic windup this morning, that email, and they've got his numbers, Otani, from 2021, and then his 2023 pace. So 2021, he had 257. 2023, he's at 291. 2021, he had 46 homers. 2023, he's on pace for 48. He drove in 121. He's at one night or on pace for 119 in 2023. His ERA in 2021, when he won MVP, was 318. Right now it's 332. And he's actually been slipping a little bit lately. But numbers wise, he's on a very similar trajectory to be MVP. And in my mind, low, unless you have a season like Aaron Judge from a year ago, which already is near impossible to happen again, Aaron's hurt again and you're not seeing anyone else match that, then as long as Otani stays healthy, we're not going to have to spend a lot of time in the offseason doing like the fake debates of like, who should win AL MVP? We just go, Otani. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Yeah. I mean, he's done a little bit of everything. I mean, he's hands down. He's, I mean, to me right now, the best player in baseball. You know, he can throw it. He can hit it. He can run. He can do everything. So he's a player that's fun to watch. Um I agree with your assessment on that. You know, for me, he keeps rolling, keeps swinging the bat, keeps pitching, and doing a little bit of everything. He's my MVP as well. Okay, best player. I'm not okay. We're not going to get into an argument because he's going to win. Unless something crazy happens, he's going to win because Mm -hmm. everyone's in love with him. He's the best player going right now, and they're competing right now. I mean, the Angels are actually. He's the best player going right now, hands down. The best player in baseball. There's not an argument in anybody best player you mentioned Aaron Judge what has happened to the Yankees since Aaron Judge got hurt the wee remember what happened last year when he didn't hit in the playoffs what they do so if you take Otani out of the Angels they're terrible okay but 
AMA made the playoffs in for, since 2012, right? Mm-hmm. So valuable. It, it, it's not best player. The best player is Otani. Hands down, not even close to anybody else. Most valuable to their team, though, with a team that has a chance to win, to hopefully go to the playoffs, is Aaron Judge. He's not going to win the award. He, he won it last year. He should have won it last year. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if we go by the word of the award, sure. then Aaron Judge is more valuable than Shohei Otani. But but you understand to his team. Uh, agreed. But you understand it does consider multiple factors. Because here, let me just give you an example. I I agree with what you're saying, right? Aaron Judge is the most needed player on his team. So if Aaron Judge though misses four months and you're and the Yankees don't make the playoffs, but the months that he's there, they're like, you know, an 800 winning percentage. He's the MVP for playing no, two I'm months not, of the season. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. No, no. Right. So Otani's going to win. You're not talking Unless about the award. You're, you're talking about just how much a team needs a singular player. If you go off most valuable right. players. What, what I'm just trying to not protect you from is you're saying MVP, which is a debate often, right? During that mm-hmm. conversation, the word valuable matters. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you see a player out for a significant period of time, that doesn't mean he should win the no, award. No. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 You're just saying, saying, look how much they suck without yeah, player X. Exactly. Which I will also, and I agree, but I will also make the case, if Otani's not on the Angels, they lose 90 games. They've lost 90 games the last couple of years, haven't they? Uh, Close. Pretty close. Yeah. He's been on the team. Yeah. See, yeah, see, every see, season's different, but yeah. yes. See my side of it, sure. And I'm not arguing. Otani's going to win. He and should, he should win. win. He should win. Yeah. Listen, no, he's the best player. He's better than Mike Trout. And everyone for every years was like Mike Trout, and they didn't do anything with him. I know what you're saying. I think it's different from the award, though. What you're saying in my mind has to do with one team relying on a single player. Valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To his team. Yeah. Is Aaron Judge? Is there another player that you can think of in baseball when he goes down? That the team goes Whoom. and and low to me that has just as much to do with the way the yankees are built they've actually built themselves so judge focused and the players even say that tommy right. canley said that to us yesterday a player said the other day maybe judge shouldn't have run into the wall to make that catch as sick as it was because their offense goes into the toilet when he's gone and in the second half of last season if he's not who he was historically good they probably don't even make the playoffs they were collapsing. And look back at the second half numbers for the Yankees offensive players. There's like two guys that were above league average. Well, I have a quick question. Well, as far as, like you said, valuable, because, for instance, uh, the Angels are not the best pitching team in the world. Um, also, they're not the best offense in the world. So, Otani does both. Would you Would you not consider him more valuable than Judge? Because he's pitching and hitting? No, I do. I, okay. I, I think, but I, I think to his team, yes, if you go off strictly off war and you go off statistics, okay. 100%, like I've said, Otani's the best player. Okay. And I am not arguing that at all. Okay. I'm just saying if you go off the wording, maybe they should change the wording on the award right, to the best right. damn player. Because he's the best damn player in the world. I mean, there's no, I don't think anyone will debate that. Yeah, but if Judge misses two months of a he's season, out. he's out. It doesn't matter anyway. Exactly. Otani, Which he's already, and missed. Otani still is incredibly valuable to his team. His team has a chance to make the playoffs. And yes. looking at Sarah Lang's 20 plus homer hit, 100 plus strikeouts as a pitcher, single season in MLB history. Obviously, Otani's doing the Babe Ruth kind of thing where he's just setting his own records. 
But this team has a chance. They do. As a wild card. So, They're five Phil, and a half Phil, out of first. Phil right Nevin's now. been great for him since he's come over. Yep. Neto's been great since he's come up. Yep. Their bullpen's much improved. Starting their starters pitching. have been much I mean, they're better than what they were. Yeah, but it's yeah. not great. It's not great. Yeah. Their offense, if they get Rendon back, maybe they sometime, but he's always it's like he's always hurt now. I don't know. Yeah, not reliable anymore. Not reliable. And but, to me, like Sandoval, who I really like when he's on, he's not the same this year. His stuff's down. He's no, not striking anyone out. They're still there. They're they're listen, at least they're in the conversation. Yes, they are. Because in the last five, ten years, listen, it turns to June. You're like, okay. The Angels are out of it. What's Trout going to do? Is he going to win MVP? Is Otani going to win MVP? And then that that was – see, the precedent was set for me with the MVP. I think it was – we already talked about A-Rod. A-Rod, when he won back when he was with Texas and they lost like 100 games, but he had a great year and people were like, oh, MVP, he had the best numbers. Well, he might have been the best player, but there were other players that did more for their particular team to help them get to the postseason. And for me – and this is just me. And I don't care. Come at me, whatever you want to do. But I'm just saying that for me, when I say valuable, is there a guy in 2003 when I was with the Twins? We were not very good the first half. We were kind of 500-ish. We traded, got Shannon Stewart. He was incredible the second half. We went to the postseason. It was because of him. We, he lit a spark in us, was unbelievably good. And he finished in the top five for MVP. He probably should have won it that year. I don't even remember who won it, but I, he should have been in the – and he was in the conversation because of what he did when he came over. That was value to our team, right? Mm-hmm. And and when I look at most valuable player, I, to me, I know uh, playoffs don't matter. I, then make a different award for the best player and then have MVP for the most valuable team because playoffs do matter. Winning wins don't matter to you. I get it. Starting pitcher, I know. No, no. Wins ma- team wins matter. Okay, yes. So who helps me get Selfish the most Selfish starting wins? pitching wins that have so many other factors. You have five guys matter. that win 20, you win 100. I'm just saying. Never happens, but okay. But I'm just saying, if you yeah, have five starting pitchers that win 20 games, though, that's 100 wins. If I have five team, players right? that hit 100 homers, then my team's going to be sick too. Let's just make up stats. You know what? There's someone who wants to debate you, and he's no, been he dying doesn't. to talk no, to you. No, he does not. But you were canceling on him. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, he was here, and then you were out because you had to deal with all the smoke up north. Ken Rosenthal joining us right now. Ken, jump right in. How are you? Scott, I'm good. And listening to that conversation and trying to jump in, I kind of felt like I was doing a Fox broadcast with AJ when I'm sitting there jumping up and down, raising my hand, and AJ just keeps going on and on and on with his mm. points. But hey, AJ, there's a couple of things I want to say here. Well, first of all, Ken, if I'm... you jump, no one notices. Second of all, <laughs> oh. all right, here we go. you're in the dugout, and you're half the time all we can see is your hands. <laughs> he had his jump jump, ready. Yo, I do a lot of different things. And then so... second of all, I was in New York, and Ken left. So, I mean, who's ducking who? <laughs> AJ, I'm not ducking you. I'm trying to engage you right here now here's the thing (laughs) with mvp aj i'm with you i generally prefer the mvp to come from a contender but let me read you the criteria not that anyone pays attention to this but we are as voters sent criteria and it says very clearly there's no clear-cut definition of what most valuable means and it also says the mvp need not come from a division winner or other playoff qualifier the criteria are actual value of a player to his team that is strength of offense and defense. Otani does both. Number of games played, general character, disposition, whatever. That stuff is intangible. So voters generally can interpret this however they want to interpret it. But in Otani's case, the argument that his team stinks, and any argument about any player against him because his team is not as good, over the years I've gotten, 
I guess, softer on that because it's not his fault. And yes, you can't take Judge off the Yankees and not expect the Yankees to see a significant decline. But it is the same with Otani. And right now, actually, he's in the middle of their surge. His offensive surge here has coincided with the team playing better. So really, a strong case can be made for why he would be the MVP if we had the vote right now. And Scott's right. Obviously, if Judge misses a couple of months or even a month, it changes the equation considerably. If Otani doesn't stay healthy himself, it changes the equation considerably. But this guy's value, I know he could win it every year, and some fans complain about that, but I don't know that we should underappreciate what he's doing. It's unbelievable. So, war. War is the stat all you scribes use all the time. Judge has a higher war than Otani right is now. Is it hitting and pitching? Since, according to Aiden, our researcher, he better said, be right, Aiden. Fangraphs has Judge at 2.8 and Otani at 2.3 right now. Who's more valuable? 2.3 hitting and pitching combined? Yeah, that's what he was. He, uh, he okay. says he believes well, so. I, believe it or not, AJ, I'm not sitting here with the war chart in front of me because Liar. I don't consult it daily. <laughs> Liar, but Scott. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me anyway. I, I'm not a war guy when it comes to MVP voting. There are so many other things that go into it. But one, I have a hard time believing that. And two, Look at his season. And frankly, the one thing that's interesting about his season, we keep talking about the strikeouts, the strikeouts. His ERA is up nearly a run from last year. And that's something they're working on right now. He's got a 4.88 ERA in his last eight starts. And he has mentioned the idea that fatigue is coming into play here because he is not part of a six-man rotation, a strict one, this season. They've gone more to a five-man version. And they're talking now about going back to six to give him more rest, to let him be who he has been on the mound. Does that affect them, though, in the long term? Because they have six quality starters. They, they really, you know, barely might have – I mean, they have five, but are they quality guys, Ken? Anderson's no, it's kind of struggled for them. Sandoval struggled for them. No doubt. And, A.J., it's difficult to put together a six-man rotation now. But – if you want to maximize Otani and prevent him from wearing down, it might be the way to go. And they've done it before, and they've been okay. So this would be a challenge for them. And maybe they have to add a starter at the deadline to kind of give that cushion that is missing right now. I've got his baseball reference war for batting at 2-2. So it's probably it's probably higher if you give me another second for pitching okay. on top Take of that. Take that second, Just Scott, because I didn't buy that stat. I, I didn't buy that. Yeah. Pitching for high. baseball reference at 1.7. So then yeah. – 3.9. Yeah, 3.9. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just going – I can only go off what he has, he has. No, I know. I know. He's, super, yeah, he's always going to win 3. that 3.5. If this is a war so derby – Scott, if this is a war derby, we're, he's going to win every year. Yes. That is not the question. Yeah. And last year – I thought it was a very fair debate. I thought there was no wrong choice between him and Judge. Judge had an amazing year. Otani had an amazing year. It just comes down to your preference. And in that case, I leaned toward Judge because he did play for a contending team and because he had such value to that contending team. And to me, and Lorenzo can speak about this, there is a difference between playing for a contender, the intensity of that in September, and playing for a team that's out of contention. It's just not the same. I know it's Major League Baseball, I get it, and all teams have the ability to win on any day. But when you're playing for a contender, to me there is an elevated level of pressure that doesn't exist later in the season when you're playing for a non-contender. 
So on the topic of contender, the Oakland A's have won six games in a row. <laughs> contender. Stop. But they were your dudes of the week on fair territory this week, deservedly so. And I love how you make sure that you are very clear that you are talking about the team. Ownership is a separate category. Perfect timing because today is a holiday. It's the reverse protest. I cannot wait to see the pictures and videos in some places where they actually cover it and they show us all of the pictures and videos, which will mostly probably be social media. So what are your thoughts on the team and also what's going to happen tonight, which does show the power of fans and social media to come together and say, hey, let's actually get this place kind of filled up today. We're going to do orchestrated chants, like sell the team during certain periods, and they're all going to wear those like very basic sell shirts that they they what raised thousands and thousands of dollars for to be able to hand out to fans that walk into the ballpark. First of all, the team, Scott, I made them dudes of the week because the players, the staff, manager Marcotte say, what they've been going through is awful. And I detailed it all on fair territory, why I thought that. But sometimes we lose sight of the fact that these guys are doing their best and they're short. We all know they're short, but there are reasons for that. So that's why I made them dudes of the week. Now, as for tonight, which is, yes, a holiday, and it's one of the cooler days of the year, in my opinion, in baseball, because this is a grassroots protest. This is a group of fans saying, uh-uh, we're not buying your narrative. Your narrative ownership is false. We will support the team. Now, it's the old chicken and egg thing. Give them a good ballpark. Give them a good team. Maybe they'll support the team a little bit better. I'd like to see Oakland with a new ballpark, with a competitive team, and see what they draw then. Because even in the Coliseum, from 2001 to 2005, when the team was quite competitive, these were the money ball years, they drew over $2 million. In 2014, coming off a 96-win season, they drew over $2 million. It is not impossible to draw over two million and probably even close to three million in the right ballpark with the right team. So this idea that that team can't draw, it has been a self-fulfilling prophecy of the Oakland A's, and it's been a self-fulfilling prophecy lately of Major League Baseball as well. Oh, we had, they just don't support the team. No, they will support the team. They're going to show support tonight. It's one night, I get it. But this idea that those fans are not quality fans and they're just turning their backs on the team I would suggest that the team has turned their backs on the fans and I would also suggest that a market is not defined by the team the team helps define the market by the way it performs and we've seen the way the Oakland A's have performed in recent years we've seen their approach to roster building or should I say roster deconstruction and that is why you've seen the low turnouts, aside from a park that just isn't major league quality at this point. So, again, I am looking forward to this tonight. It's one of the cooler things I think we've seen in a long time, actually, in a baseball park, because it shows people just banding together to disprove what they believe is something that is false. Yeah, Ken, I, I agree with you, Ken. I think what the fans are doing, there, it's awesome. It's good for baseball even though the odds are stacked against them as far as ticket prices. And like I said, the stadium is, has been on a decline for I don't know how long now. Um, just getting the opportunity to play in the visiting clubhouse, I mean, that definitely needs a lot of work. But uh, <laughs> and to me, I think the ownership, their, their mind is made up. W would you agree? Would you not agree with that, that assessment? 
Their mind is made up for Vegas? Yes, yes. made up for Vegas. They want to go. I would agree, Lorenzo. And it's clear they want to go. What's really interesting is if this falls apart in Las Vegas, and it still might, it's kind mm -hmm. of unclear which way the legislature and the government's going to go there, then what? And then you go crawling back to Oakland and say, you know what? Let's just build a new stadium here. Let's forget that whatever the development price was, I think it was $8 billion or some crazy number. We don't need that. We just want our ballpark as we were getting in Vegas. They're not getting this massive development project in Vegas. And then let's see if Oakland goes back to the table, which I believe the city would, and tries to work something out. Because that, in my mind, is still the best outcome for this franchise. We are talking about the sixth largest television market in the country. I know it's divided with the Giants, but we're talking about number six versus number 40 in Las Vegas. And if you're asking me which is better for the sport, to have a team in a new ballpark with a competitive club in Oakland or the same team in Las Vegas where we really don't know if baseball will succeed. And don't tell me about other sports. Baseball is different. So, yes, Oakland is the preferred choice if you ask me. And... We'll see what happens here. I'm not sure how it's going to go. Hey, Ken, let's get to the New York Mets because you talked about them on fair territory and you wrote about them last week and we started talking about them on Friday with you as well. Yes, there's the wee slide from Sarah Langs. They're going down right now. And I think it wasn't official when we spoke to you, but we saw it coming. Pete Alonso on the IL and it's not just, you know, a week and a half. It's looking more like three plus weeks, maybe a month which is the guy who has been carrying their offense. You wrote about Steve Cohen, of course, who at least right now publicly has kept his cool about the situation. But my question is, if this continues, because now we're in mid-June, right? We're getting close. We're a month and a half away from the trade deadline. If this continues for the Mets and they don't look like they're even a wild card contender, are they suddenly going to be the sexiest ball club in terms of trade conversations? Like, does Max Scherzer get on a run and become the hottest trade talk conversation at the deadline? Scott, I'd be surprised in an age when we have three wild cards that the Mets would be out of it to that point where they would consider that kind of sell-off. I guess you can't rule it out. And if it gets to that point where they're really not even in wild card contention, then sure, you'd have to entertain everything. But that would surprise me. Now, the real question is, where are they going here? And what's going to happen, not just for the rest of the season, but in the future? Because they've got this older club, and they have talked, Steve Cohen has talked, about spending money and spending it heavily, of course, until the farm system is ready to start producing players. They've got some position players. We've seen some of them. Alvarez has been terrific. Beatty, okay. But they have not produced pitchers, so they have to keep going back into the free agent market for pitching, and we've, we're seeing the results of that. It's not great because they've dipped into a free agent market where their best choice was Justin Verlander, who is an older guy at this point. Now, he beat the alternative, who was Jacob deGrom, as it turns out, but it still wasn't ideal. Now, maybe Verlander gets on a roll. I will never bet against him. I will never bet against Scherzer. And it's entirely possible that this team can be the team at some level that they envisioned. But I'm going to broaden this question that you just asked. It's not just the Mets that are potential sellers right now. Look at the Cardinals. Look at the Mariners. Look at the White Sox, the Twins. All of these 
teams that are not really where they want to be. I guess I should exclude the Twins. They're still in first place. But there are a number of disappointing teams in this sport right now. The Padres will be another. I have said all along, I don't expect every one of those teams to get it together. And it looks like right now the Cardinals might be the team that doesn't. But if any one of those teams is not in contention, sure, they're going to have to entertain everything because that's what teams do at the deadline, and they can't be unrealistic. They've got to look themselves in the mirror and say, okay, this is who we are. The problem is with that, again, the third wild card, the possibility of just getting in and getting hot like the Phillies did last year is really enticing, and it's a real thing. It happened last year. Yeah, but there's just too much. There's just too much. It seems like there's too much going on with the Mets. There's too much going on with the Cardinals. It's not... It's it's just not like the white you throw the White Sox in there. There's just every day it's something new, right? It's not there's no cohesion. But then you look at the other side, and when we had your boy Kirk Herbstreit on, and you pointed Ellie De La Cruz and Scott Scott's buddy, right? Ellie, Ellie. Yeah. He's come up. They've been great. He's been great, right? All they did was put him at third base. How hard was that? We didn't have to start a Twitter war, Ken. You know, could have just let <laughs> could have just let Kirk be right, okay? For now, but- for now, AJ, <laughs> you've got you've got Nick Senzel who was playing third base on the IL. You've got a kid coming up who is well thought of to Christian Encarnacio Strand. He might not be a third baseman. You've got Joey Vada coming back. There are a lot of pieces that are going to have to be juggled here. And again, the way they're doing it right now is the way they should be doing it. They're keeping everyone in the mix. But this is still a pending problem. It's a good problem to have, as we tried to explain to your friend, Mr. Herbstreet. And I love the way they're playing. And why can't they still steal a division this year? I know it's a long shot. I know their rotation isn't nearly good enough. Lodolo's out. They're like 29th in the league in ERA as a rotation. But they've got a lot of excitement around that team now. And heaven forbid they act as buyers at the deadline and go do something big. I'm not expecting it. They'd be in a mediocre division, a real threat. So... It's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out because we have seen, AJ, as you kind of indicated there, on the flip side of the disappointing teams, some surprising teams. The Marlins, the Pirates, now the Reds. It's kind of interesting to see some of these teams rise up where we didn't expect them before. The Diamondbacks, I would even put the Rangers in that category. Even the Angels. So that's the beauty of the season. We play 162 and we see all these sagas play out. But just as all those disappointing teams aren't going to suddenly turn it around, all of these surprise teams aren't going to finish where they are either. And that's what we're going to find out over the next several months. The best part of this whole thing, though, Ken, we're talking about the Reds. And mm-hmm. there's excitement in Cincinnati again, right? We're Pittsburgh, they're, they're, they're filling that park up in Pittsburgh. Yes. I, I, I know Scott... You know, they, 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 Scott, what? Scott? No, my thing. I mean, I'm with Ken on on the. But it's AJ's great. just trolling. But <laughs> but wait. it's great though because we're talking about teams going into the season that we would have never thought we'd be talking about. The Pirates, the Reds. I picked their over on the wins. Which one? Cincinnati. Okay. No, I don't. I don't like but, Pittsburgh, but, but I the like Pirates, Cincinnati. the Reds. Yes. Right. Uh, who else? The Marlins, the Diamondbacks. These are teams the past five, ten years. Yeah. Rangers. Rangers. No. Back. But right? my thing with Cincinnati. It's good for the game, though. Yes. I want these teams. I want every team to be try to be good. And they're laughing at Steve Cohen, like like the Castellinis. Yeah. I'm not going to speak directly for them, but they're going, "Ha, ah, we have a bottom five payroll. This dude has a number one payroll." And some of the owners were even like, yeah. 
slyly public about saying like, oh, you know, we can't compete with it with something like that. So they're rooting against him behind the scenes because they don't want him to bully everyone with money. My thing with Cincinnati, Ken, is if they're going to be in this kind of range right now, which I think they are a contender in the division, then then go do something at the deadline. You don't have to mortgage your future, but they have a lot of prospects. They definitely are capable of making a deal. And if they have to take someone on like a pitcher that's going to cost them five million bucks or whatever it is in the second half of the season, your payroll's 80 something million dollars. I saw the note. I think it's like their lowest payroll in a full season since like 2011. Are you kidding yes. me? They're definitely going to be making Lucas more Giolito. money. And, and they're filling that ballpark. They're going to make a lot more money this year than they thought they were going to make. Giolito. Giolito, perfect. They should make right? a deal I, I like mean, that. I, I totally agree with this. And this kind of came up in something I wrote yesterday. It was about Alexis Diaz. And there's been some talk about them possibly trading Alexis Diaz. And my point was, no, you're not trading your closer at a time when things are finally starting to come together. At a time when you might have a chance in this mediocre division to actually threaten for a division title. So if that's your logic, right, you're going to keep your closer, you're going to keep your team intact, you should be trying to add to that team, Scott. And this is exactly what I was saying. They are well positioned to do some things because of all these things we discussed that got everyone, well, not everyone, Kirk, got so upset about this incredible depth that they have right now all of these players kind of layering over each other you've got pieces to trade and it doesn't have to be jonathan india and it doesn't have to be ellie de la cruz there are other pieces in this mix here that possibly could bring you something special and hey what if you took christian encarnacion strand who is a hitter i don't know that he's a guy with a position necessarily but he's a hitter what if you traded him for the equivalent of another young pitcher even a guy with control there are all kinds of ways to go about this, and I'm with you, Scott, 1,000%. They should be aggressive on these kinds of trades, these kinds of ideas, and not be passive. They have to take advantage of the moment, and you guys know this. Winning is so difficult in Major League Baseball. When that opportunity comes, you have to grab it. You cannot sit there and say, next year. That was the problem I had with the Orioles last year. They ultimately, it's going to be proven out, did the right thing. They got Cano in the Jorge Lopez trade. I hated the message at the time because they had a chance. Now, all the front offices now, they play the actuarial game. Actually, not the actuarial game, the playoff odds game. And they're like, well, we're 3%. Forget that. Every year there are teams that defy the odds. And this is a sport. It is entertainment. And you have to go for it when you have a chance. That's my point. Yeah, you don't know. Don't say, oh, my window is year X. That's you right. You don't know when your window is. Yeah. And on, on, on Herb Street, remember, he said, even during his crazy schedule of football season, he's joining the show. He's like, I'm going to take off of a game. And he gets a lot of money for those games. If the Reds make the playoffs, he's mm-hmm. coming on FT again. Yeah, so for look sure. Out. For sure. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Another team kind of, I feel like defying the odds, Ken, and I don't know. The, the Braves, they have a great lineup, but they lose starting pitchers, it seems like, on a daily basis. Even last night, Charlie Morton, he kind of gave a, you know, and they went and checked on him a couple times. He stayed in the game, gave him almost six innings, didn't didn't go as deep probably as he wanted to. How do they keep doing it? And how much pitching depth can they possibly have? Because they've got Wright on the IL. They've got Freed on the IL. Soroka hasn't done anything for him in like three years. How, how how do they keep doing this? And in depth, I get that every organization has depth, but every guy they call up does better than expected. 
Well, that's what's amazing. And it comes back to drafting and development, as it always does. And without Freed and without Wright, it seems that, yes, they've had guys come up and make an impact that we're not expected to. Bryce Elder, foremost among them this year. He's this year's guy. Spencer Strider last year. We didn't expect Spencer Strider. To Wait, do what about the Smith, the Smith, the Smith? Smith Shaver. He just came up. This guy started pitching like three years ago. They grabbed him in the draft, and here he is. Schuster is another one. Dodd earlier this season. They, for some reason, like a number of teams, the Astros have done this. The Dodgers have done it to an extent. The Guardians certainly. They have an ability to draft and develop pitching that is ahead of other clubs, and it enables the Braves to keep doing this. And actually, I said it on my show, AJ. To me, it's not just amazing that they're doing this without Freed and Wright. They take Freddie Freeman off the team last year. They take Dansby Swanson off the team this year. And my goodness, they're still there. Now, I know they replaced Freddie with Matt Olson, And I know Arcia has proven to be a great replacement for Swanson. But in Arcia's case, that wasn't necessarily expected. He was kind of bouncing around, a little bit of a journeyman. And now here he is again, showing the promise that he had in Milwaukee. So it's a tribute to their organization. They do an amazing job despite whatever might befall them each year. And even with Azuna. Azuna was a guy everyone, including myself, was saying, why aren't they releasing him in April? He had the domestic violence suspension. He had terrible performance. There was every reason for them just to eat that salary, make him your Aaron Hicks, right? What the Yankees did with Aaron Hicks. Well, they didn't do that. They hung in there for whatever reason, and here's Azuna making an impact like he was back in Miami. That's because they love him in the clubhouse. And say what you want, but both ways. It does they matter. do love him. They, 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 yeah, love they, him. they absolutely love him in the clubhouse. So before we let you go, A's 18 wins, Royals 18 wins. Which one breaks the all-time loss record? Both, none. Who gets the first pick? Go. I'm still going to say the A's. <laughs> they got I knew to 18. It, I knew it. I knew they it. got to 18 by winning six straight. So they're hot. I don't expect this streak. They're hot, and they do have some interesting pieces. Noda and Rooker and Ruiz certainly. But it, I expect those. Langoliers is not. Langoliers is a solid player. Too young. They're not going to. I, I expect they're going to trade Blackburn, and the Royals. I don't think they'll trade Granke. They'll probably compete a little bit better. That's my expectation. I don't know. We're talking about not picking between the greatest of teams here. That's the point. That's why it's so much fun because it, who's going to get the first pick? Now, the, the best line from, you know, because everyone's in the YouTube chat having fun with this was from Jackson. He said about Rooker, he goes, if the A's lose Brent Rooker, they're screwed. <laughs> hey, Rooker was a good one against Mississippi State. He's been better here than with Minnesota. Ken, great to talk to you. I'm, I'm so glad that you and AJ could find time in your schedules to <laughs> sync up and duke it out again. I'm glad AJ just showed up today. That's all. <laughs> hey, I'm just hoping I get to do a Fox game with you at some point, Ken. You know, Not yet? No, he's on A, he's a crew, you know, Smoltz, Davis. He doesn't, he doesn't, well, trickle, if it down happens. To, he doesn't trickle down to Adam Amin and Jason Benetti and I. You know, <laughs> If it happens, I'll be jumping up and down, and nobody will be seeing that, of course, AJ. I'll be jumping <laughs> up and down. Nobody can see it and trying to get on the air. It's going to be a battle. Uh, hey, Aaron Judge up here says hi, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Good luck. Hope that you guys sync up. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.
Cheers. All right. Good stuff. Oh, and before, uh, yeah, run the fair territory. And I, you say it. Fair territory with Ken Rosenthal. Episodes drop every Monday. Available wherever you can get your podcast. YouTube also. Fair territory playlist. Foulterritory.slash playlist. Due to the week. Dork of the week. Wow. And all the other things that Ken has. And there I just want people to know that Ken and I really do like each other. Obviously. But I, not you and me. We don't like no, each other. No, we hate each other. But <laughs> not, you're in my house all the time. Well, really, we actually love each other. And yeah. It's just playful banter that we have. So I don't want people to think that Ken and I don't like each other at all. We actually really get along great. And I love I love talking baseball with Ken because he knows everything. No, I'll give people some insight, right? Lo, you see, because we're all in a chat together during the show the whole time. Uh-huh. And AJ often will go, we'll be like, all right, let's let's let Ken go. He's got to go. And then AJ's like, one more, one yeah. more question. <laughs> yeah. I got one more thing to shoot at him, you know? Because so. he's so good. Look, you know, he, when you played, right? When you yeah. saw Ken Rosenthal walk into the stadium, one, you knew it was a big game usually. Yeah. And two, you knew he knew what he was talking about because he mm-hmm. doesn't just throw crap against the wall and see what sticks. He literally knows, and I've talked to him about it. He has verify, 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 and then he'll put it out there. It's just, it's, he's just a great resource and so happy he's part of the foul territory world. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed that very much. Every time he's on the show, please, please, I need to be on the show with you guys. I enjoyed that very much. Oh, well, then, Lo, you're going to be working hard because he's on with us multiple times a week. You <laughs> sure? <laughs> oh, I take that back. I take that back. Hold up, yeah, hold up. Be careful what yeah. you wish for. <laughs> hey, let's hit some games before oh. Raddy Telez joins us. It is last-minute game time presented by the Game Time Ticketing app, Best in the Biz. If you're stressed out about buying last-minute tickets, you don't have to be anymore. You hit the Game Time app, download it and redeem code FT live, which we've seen a lot of. There's been a lot of activity on that front. So we appreciate you 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply for the newbies that are downloading the app. And many of you who have chimed in and said, hey, I've already got it. It's awesome. Uh, best deals on the planet for last minute tickets, the flash deals, especially if you're looking to hit a game and baseball's perfect for it because there's a game every night. So tonight it's stacked. I mean, everyone's playing tonight. It's a Tuesday. There's no day games. You got a lot of games to choose from. If you have one game, I'm giving you the jet, and you're buying tickets on game time. Low, where are you going? Oh, man. Golly. That's a tough <laughs> one, man. Um, I mean, I guess we'll stick with the – I was talking about the New York – both New York teams. I mean, I feel like that's always a great game, both New York teams. So that that would be the place I would go right Yanks, now. Just off Yanks, Yanks, Mets. Right now. Okay. Subway series. All right. Not just yeah. Luis Severino, who's who's been very uh, open about how he's not been good. Been good yeah. But but potential Scherzer. trade candidate Scherzer. Max Scherzer. Low. Are you yeah. watching to see? Could this be some of his last starts with the Mets? Well, it, it possibly. You know, um, you know, Scherzer has always had my number, so um, you know, it pains me to see him struggle like this because you know I've I've always I think I'm still over to this day off of Scherzer. So, um, yeah, but I I think he'll get it rolling. I think he'll bounce back. Because, I mean, he's been dominant for so long. So, But at the end of the day, I think this could possibly be his his uh, last few days with the Mets. Which yeah. would be nuts. Which would be crazy. It would be nuts. Full crazy. Okay, where are you going? Dude, there's only one choice. What's Dude, that? I'm going for the reverse protest, bro. I'm going to <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I'm wearing my cell shirt. <laughs> Hell yeah. Rays versus Hulk Hogan Harris. I don't even we just broke Joe Creedy's head. <laughs> show it, show it. This is Joe Creedy. I mean, Look how Joe excited AJ. Joe, <laughs> Joe, pick that up later. 
Oh man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to the reverse protest. Doesn't matter with the Polk Duncan Duncan Harris. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Where's Jalen Beeks? I mean, what a pitching matchup. There's gonna be chanting going on every top of the inning, every bottom of the inning. There's gonna be the silent protest where everyone just stands there for an hitter. No, no Hell yeah. This will be how it is for most games. Hey, what? The prices of the average ticket went from like 40 bucks to like 80 bucks because of this protest. Oh, yeah. It's going to be busy. Like it went, it's seriously going to be busy tonight. Though. I know. Yeah. Really. How can you? I want to go to that game. I'm going to be yeah. part of history. I'm with you. I'm just on a flight. Get out there with you, AJ. How about that? We'll, we'll take Scott's private jail. We'll pick you up in Oklahoma. I, was like, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> My jet goes very slow. It's a four seater sedan. <laughs> well, there's three of us. <laughs> It'll take you about 10 days to get there. <laughs> Especially if you have to stop for bathroom breaks. But I'm with you. I'm so with you. I would love to be there. Seriously, I would love to be there tonight. I wish that Mark and everyone behind the scenes would let me have the day off so I could fly out there. You're going to host for me. I am actually taking off for real. I'm not even joking. Next Friday. Oh, oh, right. You're not here. And and next Monday. So you will have a show without me. Okay. But dreams do come true, Scott. Dreams do come true. I can't wait to see the ratings on that one. So. Anyway, I'm with you. If any, and there are other good candidates out there in terms of chips. Don't worry about it. We'll talk. We'll talk about it when we get there. We're we're. I'm deep in game time right now. Brewers Twins, Corbin Burns against Pablo Lopez. Good pitching matchup, and also sneaky pitching matchup, and all just like a not desperation mode, but kind of the Cardinals need to start winning games. Like this is getting out of hand. So it's Jack Flaherty, yeah, uh, against Alex Cobb. Like yeah, Flaherty, he's shown some good signs lately, but Alex Cobb's been really solid. For San Francisco, he's, he's, he's struggled a little bit the last couple of times out. Yeah, he's been the year. You know, another good, good game, line. which no one's talking about. Is we can go watch Lance Lynn. Good chance he grabs his nuts and yells an f bomb at some point during that game. Because have you seen the thing all over Instagram where don't take your kids to a game Lance Lynn pitches? Yeah, just him yelling words out. Kids are copying. There's <laughs> kids copying all over the place. I love you, Lance. Kids are going to be suspended from school, and they're going to be like, "What happened?" Like, yeah, we watched Lance Lynn. Yeah, Lance Lynn gets yesterday. That's what Lynn does. <laughs> Has he anyway, always done that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. but more so now. I mean, he didn't do that like early Cardinals. Days. Yeah, I had him in 14, pretty early. He was doing that, not that much. I think he's amped it up a couple notches. I think the microphones have gotten better. The microphones are better and social media is hotter. Yeah. Like you don't, nothing gets by anybody, yeah. right? He's and the cameras right know, like with some starters, like you get through the inning and they just walk off and the cameras are like, whatever. Lance finishes an inning and they he's probably got five cameras on him. They're like, what's he going to do? Mm. Love it. I love it. You need more of it. Yes. So maybe not with all the cussing, but I still want more of it. No, I'm, I mean, you know, we're all about the cussing here. So <laughs> check out Game Time. If you don't have the app, you can also hit gametime.co for last minute tickets. You shouldn't be stressing out because they make it easy for you. They take care of you. There's flash deals for last minute tickets, and they are the best in the biz in that category. The images of your seat views, it's the most high tech app and views of your seat, which you'll be able to see in just a moment. You move your phone around, you can see where you're sitting, like for us at the A's game. Lowest price, guaranteed. Event cancellation protection for real. Job loss protection there for you as well. Things that if you thought about a ticketing app and said this would be my dream list of what should be included, they'd be on there for you. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use code FTLIVE for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, that's creating an account, redeeming the code FTLIVE for 20 bucks off, and download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price 
guaranteed. And we'll see y'all at the Oakland game. I hope that one of our fans is in Oakland and sending us some videos from the game because I would love to see what that looks like. But we also do have guests that are going to cover that topic. That includes Joe Sheehan, who uh, has been writing all about this, longtime writer. And tomorrow we will have a guest on that topic as well who is hitting the game. You know, Saris, who does a great job writing mm -hmm. for years, um, especially on pitching, but he writes for The Athletic. He lives in the Bay Area and he will be at the game. So keep an eye out for that. And by the way, Rowdy Telez joining us soon. You know, I did look up because you mentioned Benji Molina, mm -hmm. his numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, he had, I mean, I'm an OPS plus guy, hundreds league average. So he had, he had two seat, one season at a hundo, one season at 108. And the rest yeah, listen, Benji was an awesome player. Yeah. Great dude. He was dude. A, I mean, I'm saying he wasn't like a star. No, but bat. I'm just saying the fact that he got a triple and hit for the cycle is probably right. the most unbelievable thing. He's, he's because fortunate that remember. sprint speed didn't exist back then. <laughs> Boston. And they were like, how in the world can Benji Molina get the cycle? He's got to hit a triple. And then he hit it like perfectly in the corner and the center fielder dove for it and it rattled around. And he still almost got thrown out of third, but pretty awesome. Because if you know Ben, I don't know Lo, if you know Benji or not, but Benji's an awesome dude, man. He, re he, he really seems like a fun dude from afar. He seriously, man. He's a he good like dude. a great dude from afar. I, he, I, I just plucked out of the page. He probably retired in what 2012. Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe uh, after the Rangers went to the World Series in ten, maybe ten the or Rangers. eleven, because he was on both teams. Remember. The Rangers played the Giants, and he had played. He was traded from one to the other when Posey came up, mm -hmm. and he had a, he was guaranteed to get a ring either way. From, so he got a NL ring, or he got a, a World Series ring and an AL championship ring because he was on the Rangers and the Giants won. 2010, Texas. Yeah, that was San Francisco and Texas, and then he retired. Yep, good call, okay. good recall. Thirteen years for him in the bigs. Every once in a while, I sneak one in there. No, you do almost every day. Your recall is fantastic. Anyway, we're ready for our next guest. Let's bring in Joe Sheehan, who has written for just about every major publication out there, covers the game on a daily basis. Check out his newsletter and all of his info, uh, www.joesheehan.com. Great follow on Twitter as well. Joe, great to talk to you. I think uh, we, we've done a few back and forths back in my, my MLB days, but it's been it's been a minute because I think you were you were too honest, just like I was on the channel. So great to have you on here where we can just rip it and have a good time. How are you today? Good, man. I'm glad you guys don't have a height requirement. You had Kenny on earlier. You got me on. It's it's great that you can see you guys put all the short people on the, on the show. Wait, how tall <laughs> are you? Five, seven. Are you tall? You're taller than Ken. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but come on, everybody. Yeah. You're taller than Kirk, Jim. We used to talk about, this is maybe 10 years ago, we used to joke about guys being GM height because you had not just all the writers, but you had a lot of like the young Ivy League types. A lot of those early on were really short. So we used to talk about, you know, if you were 5'8 or under, you were GM height. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> like Andrew Friedman? Is he that short? Yeah. he's no, Andrew's tall, one of the taller ones out there. I'm trying to remember who we were joking about back then. I don't think John Daniels is all that tall. I think he was one of the young guns back then. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a joke we make anymore because those guys are all smarter than us. Yeah. Well, now they're taller, too. Like, David Stern is pretty <laughs> tall. Chris Young is an Ivy League guy, though. He yep. played, and he's a monster. So times have changed. All right, so, Joe, let's start with the headline news of the day. The Oakland A's are kind of good this week on the field, and they are exceptional with their fan base. How excited are you to see all the pictures and videos that we're allowed to see, of course, tonight assuming that it's all shown on the broadcast 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a cathartic moment for A's fans. And this is one of the issues that has come up a lot in recent years, not just in Oakland, but where we talk about cities not supporting their teams. And often is, uh, is not what it is, is that the owner hasn't given them a product, a team that's worth uh, supporting. If you look at the history of the A's in Oakland, they've drawn very well. You look back to the 70s, you look at the 80s. There was a lot of time uh, in the A's history that they were actually outdrawing the Giants. Now, that hasn't been the case in recent years. The Giants built Oracle Park. The A's have now had a succession of owners that haven't invested in the team. But there's not a question in my mind that the Oakland, that city of Oakland and that whole area will support the A's if, they, if they're good. Um, we have a lot of history that says that. So I think what we're going to see tonight is the fans coming out for, you know, the hottest team in baseball, but also to show that, hey, look, this isn't about the fans. The fans are here if you give the team, if you give them something to root for. It's about an ownership group that just hasn't done that. I want to show the tweet that you put up too, which AJ referred to earlier in the show about how much money is being spent on this situation. The A's are undefeated since the Nevada legislature went into overtime at 250 G's a day to try to force a bad bill through and steal the team from Oakland. So, yes, they're undefeated. And also, Joe, the so you posted this, what, 11 hours ago. When it convenes tomorrow, the Nevada legislature will be into its fourth day of haggling over SB1, the A's ballpark bill, at 250K a day in cost. It has spent a million dollars on this issue, which is more than the A's will pay 19 players on tonight's 26-man roster. I mean, that is insane. And I'm sure people in Nevada are starting to get pretty pissed off about the situation as well. I was actually in Vegas this past weekend asking some people, some locals about it that were at the casino. So, I mean, who knows what their status was? They might have had a few drinks in them. But I was like, hey, you excited for a potential A's team? They were like, we'd love to have baseball, but not them. Yeah, a lot of this is people rejecting the A's themselves. And there's been a lot of comparison to the Knights, the Golden Knights, I should say the hockey team. Well, the hockey team was an expansion team that came in. They, because of the expansion rules and the way the NHL is set up, they were able to spend money and put a good team on the ice their first year. They ended up going to the Stanley Cup final that year. The A's are likely is not going to have that success. And, you know, five years from now, the A's will certainly be better than they are today. There are a lot of smart guys in that front office. But they're not going to spend money until the new park comes into play. John Fisher's made that clear. They're probably not going to be good for a few years. So you've got them playing in a minor league park. So a lot of the things, the benefits that the Golden Knights had coming in the A's are not going to have access to I do think that down the road Las Vegas will welcome an expansion team that they can call their own much the way they did the Golden Knights but the A's right now are not that team I have a fan question from Ronnie who says why can't the owners kick out the A's owners since he is making the owners look bad well you can't you know, do that <laughs> in, in the time I've been doing this we've seen the A's uh, excuse me we've seen the MLB put pressure on uh uh, the parking lot guy, Frank McCourt, uh, yep. to sell the Dodgers. That was back in 2004. They put pressure on the Wilpons to sell the Mets in recent years. There were business level issues, and those were tentpole franchises in Los Angeles and New York. Uh, typically, the owners are going to want support for their own deals, whether it's you know their stadium. We've seen the, the commissioner put pressure on the Milwaukee uh, government, uh, the state of Wisconsin, to uh, spend money on the uh, on excuse me, repairs that are necessary to American family field. All the owners are going to want support for their own particular cash grab. So I think that's why they're standing inside and saying they want Fisher to be successful here. 
I don't, I think eventually you end up with a problem where the team just isn't generating enough revenue. But for this particular problem, um, they want the A's to be solved. Rob Manfred has been very clear. He wants to get to expansion and MLB can't get to expansion until the A's and Rays situations have been solved. What are your thoughts on the current state of the game in terms of the owners of teams? My thing always with baseball is they matter so much more because we technically don't have a salary cap, even though some owners, of course, treat it that way or small market teams can't mess around with anywhere near a luxury tax as it is. So do you have certain owners that you respect or really like what they're doing and then others where you're like, this is crazy and if we didn't have them, the game would be in a much better place? Well, sure. There's uh, you look in the low end. It's easier to identify. We talk about John Fisher. We talk about Bob Nutting in Pittsburgh. And I think there's some real interesting issues coming up with as the Pirates get better now. They're building this really good young team. Is Nutting going to support them by raising the payroll? He didn't do it in the 2010s, and some really good teams ended up not being as successful as they might have been. As far as good ownerships, I'm as shocked as anyone to say that Liberty Media, owning the Braves, have been a very good steward of that franchise. They've given a succession of GMs, the tools to develop talent. And when that talent has been worth paying, they've been willing to write the checks. I give the Braves a lot of credit for that. Obviously the teams that spend a lot of money, you know, the Dodgers can't really say a whole lot of bad about Guggenheim and the money they put into the team. Um, most ownership groups fall in the middle, but at the extremes, yeah, I mean, think that there are some ownerships that do better for their fan bases than others. So you're talking about extremes here. You have the Mets, right? On the other end. Mm-hmm. Would they, and I know Steve Cohen has come out and said, we're never going to sell. We're still in it. But would he, would he possibly move a Max Scherzer? Would he possibly move somebody to clear some space for another round of spending possibly next year? Absolutely. I mean, it's still June 13th, that's six weeks to the trade deadline. We'll see how the Mets play. I think at this point, it's going to be very hard for them to chase down the Braves. The Braves are just very good. But that wild card race in the in the National League is going to be a muddle. Remember last year, the uh, Phillies got in with 87 wins, if memory serves. You had the Padres and Brewers there with 86 and 85. It's going to take that kind of number this year. I think it's going to be very hard for the Mets to fall out of a race where the wild card teams are only going to win 85 to 89 games. But if they were to do so, you know, Cohen put Billy Epler in a position to make decisions. Billy Epler's a smart guy, didn't really have a good situation in Anaheim. I think he's in a better spot now. And if he goes to Cohen and say, hey, look, we can't get it done this year. Let's put our focus to 2025, excuse me, 2024. Um, I think we'll do that. One thing I will say, though, is I don't think the Mets will go into a full rebuild. If you look at every decision they've made the last couple of years, it's been with this window of 23 and 24. I think they try to improve the 24 team, but I don't think they go into a tank mode, a rebuild mode, looking for 25 and beyond. They're still going to have a short-term focus. Who do you think's on the hotter seat, Buck Showalter or Billy Epler? Only because as a GM, you are giving all of the resources. And for Billy, I mean, it's been, and it's not been a long time for him, of course, but you know, the pieces aren't there right now for a championship team, even though they've spent a lot. And I will say, yeah, tough situation with the Angels because you have a helicopter owner there and Artie Moreno, but he he had one of the worst off seasons at one point. You remember that off season? It was it was Matt Harvey, Cody Allen. Uh, there was like five or six others that were combined like close to $40 million. That, I think that was the offseason that they could have gotten Cole instead, and they didn't go up to the number that the Yanks mm-hmm. had. So not to shit on one guy, but I'm saying like if this continues for the Mets, someone's going to take a fall, and I'm not sure it should be Buck. Well, yeah, I mean, they Buck won 101 games last year. The fact that it ended up being a tie for the division, they had to play in the wild card race the first time a tie had not been settled on the field in baseball history. Um, I don't really think I can hold that against him. Typically, the order of events is the GM fires the manager, 
and gets that one more year. So typically, you know, Epler would fire Buck and then, you know, Epler would get one year under whoever takes over the job. Maybe AJ gets the job um, and they'd see if they won next year. And then you'd fire the GM. Firing the, the GM and keeping the manager in place is the more unusual thing to do. I'm all in. Fire me. <laughs> GM? Can I be your assistant? Be, would you, oh. I was going to say, can, can Scott be the bench coach? Uh, he doesn't know anything about baseball. <laughs> so how are we going to – well, I mean, there's guys that do it anyways that don't know anything. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Are you kidding me? So, sure, Scott, why not? I mean, you can I make know a more good about baseball. Game, not knowing anything about baseball. Exactly. Very that, true. that might actually help you in some cases. <laughs> Lo, go, go ahead, Lo. Yeah, I know we're talking about everybody selling, 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 but do you have a favorite team that's under the radar or, or a small market team that you see buying at the deadline? You know, there's a lot of talk about the. Guardians possibly trading Shane Bieber. There's been talk about the White Sox being sellers. I don't, that's another division where I don't think there's going to be enough of a gap between the top and these, you know, below 500 teams to put them in selling position. You go back with the, the history of the White Sox. I think, AJ, this even before you were there in 1997, um, they made a trade, traded a couple of their starting pitchers when they were three and a half games out of first place. And 95, was something we still talk, 97, 97, I think it was. Wilson Alvarez, White Flag, Danny Darwin. Yep, White Flag, exactly that. Um, teams don't want to be in that position, especially now it's so much easier to make the playoffs. I look at that AL central and this idea that, you know, the, the guardians or the white Sox are going to sell. I think they're more likely to buy or to do the guardians thing where you both sell and buy, uh, yeah, the white Sox are a team. They play pretty lousy baseball. They have two horrifying losses over the weekend. I don't think that they're going to be sellers because they're just not going to fall that far off the pace. We have a chance. It's not likely, but we actually have a chance to have a sub 500 team in the playoffs this year. Mm. Wow. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. Um, the nature of baseball, like if a sub-500 team makes the NBA playoffs, they generally get waxed. A sub-500 team in the MLB playoffs, look, man, it's, it's the nature of baseball. Now, best of five, best of seven, bad. The, the lesser team often wins. So if you were to put the 80 and 82 White Sox into the playoffs, they wouldn't be that large an underdog to – I'm trying to think of they play in the first round. Whoever the number six wild card would be, the, the, Ray, the, excuse me, the Blue Jays or the Yankees or the Orioles. Um, it's just the nature of the game. So I think in 94, the year that was ended by the strike, the Rangers were actually 10 games under 500 leading the AL West at the time of the strike. Had that season been played out, we almost certainly would have had a sub 500 team in the playoffs. And that I think would have changed this conversation a lot. Hey, Joe, I love following you on Twitter. Um, there's so many, even I'm just like looking at some of his recent tweets. Like I'll just bring one up for AJ, because AJ is kind of newer on Twitter, um, but he's very much embraced. Run it. away, like, run away, yeah. AJ. <laughs> he's running right into it at first, as he it always makes does. Makes me laugh. It just <laughs> makes me. It really makes me laugh. Wait, I'll give you one, right? Because spanning a different sport, Joe said. I think it was last night. Is Angel Hernandez calling this Nuggets Heat game? <laughs> so, question for you, because because you're opinionated, and I, I love to read your stuff. Um, if you're commissioner for a day, and it, it could be on any topic, it could be rules, it could be business. Whatever it is, it could be expansion, realignment, whatever. What would you do? I'd give the commissioner a $50 million bonus. Because <laughs> he's been that good? No, I because I'm the commissioner for a day. Oh, because you're the, the commissioner. Oh. Okay. And then, and then fine. Done. Done. We can do that. The league's rich. And then what else you do? You got to actually do one thing to impact the sport. What do you want to do? I would eliminate local revenue sharing. Um, the, the, one of the biggest issues baseball faces right now is that these teams can simply lose and still make money. 
And that's been one of the things driving this A situation, driving the Pirates and Royals and Reds. I understand the need for some level of revenue sharing, but we've gone too far with it with you know, teams basically just being subsidized and fan bases being forced to watch losing baseball because losing baseball can be profitable. We've got to find a system that forces teams to try to win no matter where they play. And you know what? And that's a great call. I feel like there's such an obsession on the opposite, right? Of making sure let's penalize the teams that are spending too much, right? You've even seen, I think, owners this past offseason when Steve Cohen was going off again, spend wise, they were starting to get public about comments. They weren't straight up saying, hey, this guy's bad for the game, but they were close, right? Like we, oh, we can't mess around, you know, with other teams and good for him, all of that. So to me, it's so focused on on the teams on that front versus, hey, let's get rid of the crap at the bottom and what they're doing. So I like that a lot. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy this game tonight. We're very excited to see and hear everything going on there because they've even got the orchestrated chants, which which AJ is very excited to hear. Sell the team. Imagine no, I just want to see. The plate. I want to see what they show on TV. The and coverage, then, and then I want to see on Twitter and Instagram what it, the fans view of it. Yeah, it's a I second. See how screen. different it's going to be. Well, like Joe, Joe knows. Like Joe, you have to watch tonight's game with social media wide open like this is when social shines because people will be at the game and they will give you what is actually happening it's not like you know oakland tv or like mlb highlights are just going to be like check out the real story at the game tonight yeah it's i don't think there was an issue a couple of weeks ago with the game being edited some highlights being edited i don't think that'll be even possible tonight if they get if they don't have fifty-four thousand, maybe they have forty thousand there it's going to be forty thousand people with signs and decked out wearing the t-shirts it's a part of the story tonight you can't ignore it Yep, I'm with you. I, it's going to get, I think, a ton of global sports coverage, too. Because I don't, they don't even know, you know, like the ESPNs of the world. But, like, once they see it, they're going to be like, oh, shit, this is we crazy. We should jump on this? Yeah, exactly. So, Joe, thank you again. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game later. It's a great show, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Joe Sheehan, and you can follow him, like I said, at Joe underscore S-H-E-E-H-A-N. And also, he's got a great newsletter, joesheehan.com. Let's slap hands, shall we? so we did have a fan question on instagram um (laughs) and i don't know if you want to get into it right now because if it's a five minute story we got to go but they were Mm -hmm. like can you ask aj about his wwe price is right Mm -hmm. uh story price is raw because it was yeah. on Raw. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have what do like they a, want to know? What are they, what are they, I, they just, I guess they wanted you to just talk about it okay. um, or give, give them something on it. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll bring that up in, in slap hands. So they said, AJ, WWE Price is Right experience, Jake on IG asked. Like, what was the experience like? So 2008, 2009, Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of the WWE guys still do. And one of the writers said, hey, you want to be part of the show? We're doing a show in Chicago. We had a day off. I said, sure, what's the deal? And and this is when they were having guest hosts like every every week. So they had all these different guest hosts. And it happened to be Bob Barker. I said, yeah, what do you need me to do? And they said, we're going to put the Price is Right name tag on you. You can Google it. It's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And we had me, Jermaine Dye, Gordon Beckham, uh, there's about there's a bunch of us there at this thing, and they said in the after this match we're gonna do a showcase showdown, and we're gonna call your name and you get to come out and Bob Barker's gonna come out and do you know what do you bid on this prize? But he's like make sure you say this number 
because on the screen it's going to say this number. So say this number. And I forget whatever they were. What, what would you give for a once in a lifetime opportunity for something, something, something? And I was like, a thousand, a thousand. And it was a thousand. And then Santino Morella at the time wins and it was being body slammed by Big Show. But when I, I they announced the, the winner is, you know, come on down. They announced me. The crowd went crazy because either they either cheered me or they booed me. Mm -hmm. And Wah! so I come out, do my thing, set up, and Big Show comes out. It's cool. I get to hang out with Bob Barker. It was fun. That's cool. It was fun. Yeah. And then that was that the first? Did that launch the career? No, no. I'd already done. Play you had already done stuff before. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. Well, there you go. That was my foray into WWE. Lo, we got to see you on a little wrestling action. Would you do it if they called you oh, for a cameo? I, I was a big fan of wrestling when I was little. You know, I was okay. under Undertaker, you know, on Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold, Steve Austin. Those were my guys. So I was a big fan of wrestling growing up for sure. AJ's got some friends. We might have to make it happen. Yeah. Set it up. We might Set have it to up. Make it happen. Come on down to Orlando. They we do a lot of ring. Here. We get in the ring though. That's the question. I'll get in there. You know. Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Second career for low. We will see everyone on Wednesday. Happy reverse protest day. Spicy Ball is back for BetMGM sports players. Download the BetMGM sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account and place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gotta use that promo code SPICYBALL. Always bet responsibly. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLING.